everybody, it's Paula Bryant Ellis, and welcome to another episode of Behind Her Faith Podcast. We're so excited that you are with us today. We have a very special guest. All of our guests are special, but she's special, 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 because I tell you how we met, and I'm going to tell you about that in a minute, was just nothing but the Holy Spirit moving. So with that, i like to open with prayer. So dear Heavenly Father, just thank you, thank you, thank you, God. I can't say it enough. It just feels like those words aren't enough um, that it, or that it even embraces all of what we feel to be in your presence and to have this relationship and this intimacy with you. Thank you for this special guest. Thank you for this moment to share. In Christ Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. All right, so the series Behind Her Faith. Please go out and watch it. It's streaming right now. All four episodes are up. We're streaming on Apple TV, Amazon, Roku, and UMC.TV. Four amazing women at the top of their game. And they're talking about the fact, power of their faith and, and their journey and all the things that they've endured in life. You know, so many times we like to sit on the outside in judgment, but we have no idea what someone's enduring and we have no idea how that thing impacts them. And these women um, are very transparent and share some very special moments about things they endured in their life and the effect that it had on them then and even now, right? And that how they um, looked to their relationship with Christ to get them through that. So please go out, support us behind her faith. Um, we are praying for a season two. Actually, to be honest, we had an offer of a season two and it's what the Holy Spirit told me to turn down. It wasn't what, it wasn't right. And I knew it wasn't right. And I didn't, I didn't question that he told me not to take the uh, season two um, with that particular company. But I know there's a season two out here with his name on it because he said he's Jehovah Jireh and he's a provider. So I'm working with Jehovah Jireh and I'm partnering with Elohim, the creator that was in the garden who Adam co-created with, right? So, you know, I love to talk about Adam and Eve in the garden because I think we miss so much there. But God is God says we're co-creators with him, right? And I believe it and I'm moving it. And this show was something the Holy Spirit put in my heart and I co-created this with him. And it's up to him to go find us the distribution. He said that wasn't the right distribution. So I'm waiting on him to bring me the right distribution. So just like he brought Adam, the animals in the garden, and he said, I created them, Adam, you name them. They were co-creating together. And everything Adam named them, that's what they became. So when Adam named them, right, when he named the zebra, it got its stripes. It's got its shape. It got its sound. It got its color. When he named the giraffe, it got his neck. It got those beautiful eyes with the long eyelashes and it got the ears and it got the body. When he named the lion, it got the mane and it was gold and he had a roar and he was king of the jungle. That's because he was co-creating with God and co-creating with Elohim ain't like co-creating with you. Ah! Co-creating with Elohim is not like co-creating with you. So behind her faith was a co-creation with Elohim. And I know he'll bring us the right distribution. So just be praying for us, go out, watch the show, support it. Um, very, very, very powerful stories. Also, order your prayer box. If you haven't gotten your prayer box, please go out and order them. Um, these would make great birthday gifts, Christmas gifts, 
you get communion, you get a workbook, you get a journal, there are pens, um, there are, uh, there's a tablet in here, a little to-do pad, and at the top of it, it says, all the things I need the Holy Spirit to solve for me. <laughs> I write them down on here. Trust me, I use this one. This one's on my nightstand because I, I want to get it out of my head and onto this pad because then it becomes it becomes uh, the Holy Spirit's uh, responsibility to go solve that thing. These would make great holiday gifts. Um, so uh, I even had, I've had several women um, order these. Uh, over the, during this COVID season, because they said, me and my girlfriends take trips every year. And because of COVID, we haven't been able to do our girlfriend trips. So um, they've ordered their girlfriend boxes and they did, they did the uh, four week, the journal has a four week prayer program in it. And they did that together on Zoom. So that, I thought that was such a beautiful thing to give to your girlfriend. So please go out and order the prayer box. I believe in intimacy with God. I believe in a relationship with God. I even have in here, um, and I talked to you about it in the journal, um, we give you a red pen and a black pen. And the reason why we do that is because when I'm journaling, I write in black. But when the Holy Spirit tells me to write down behind her faith, because I'm gonna give you a show, it's in red. And I remind him, right? He says, bring that thing into remembrance of me. He says, my word won't return void to me. So if you remind me of my word, then it, it has to perform because I'm not a man that I would lie or that I need to repent. So your word may not be any good, but his word, right, will never return void unto him. So when you're inspired and he's telling you the plans he has for you, right? He says, write it down and make it plain. I write it in red because when I'm going through my journal, I can see right there. It's right there in front of me what he said to me. And I look at those plans and I look at the progress and where I'm at. So we talk about all of that in our book. So please go out. The boxes are only $24.99 um, and go out and order them. And we appreciate it. Thank you so much. So you guys know I normally give um, a message right before I introduce my uh, guest, but my guest is the message today. Like all my guests are messages, but no, she's really the message. And I'm going to tell you why um, before I bring her on. I have a horrible habit of buying clothes. I find them on sale, right? They're like this amazing deal. I find them on sale and then I throw them in the back of my closet. At some, some point in time in my life, I plan to get them altered. <laughs> but it was such a great deal, and they didn't have my size. I buy them and stick them in the back of my closet. So one day I'm at home minding my own business, and the Holy Spirit tells me to go get the clothes out of the closet and take them to the cleaners. I'm like, what? Literally, this is how I talk to the Holy Spirit. I don't know how you do it, but we have real conversations. I was like, what? I said, I don't have any plans to wear those clothes. I'm not going anywhere. And he just pressed on me, take those clothes to the cleaners and have them altered. I was like, you know what? All right, but before I go up there, see, this is our problem, obedience. But before I go up there, I'm not gonna drive all the way up there. I'm gonna call. <laughs> so I picked up the phone. I called and I asked, I knew the cleaners that I frequent had a seamstress. And I said, is she in today? And they said, no, she's out sick. I was like, see, Holy Spirit. Okay. I said, okay. And they said, she'll be back in three days. I'll never forget this. I said, okay. So I just had 
Ooh, don't need to do it. I'm telling you, it was like 15 minutes later, the phone call, the phone rang and the guy said, oh, she's on her way in. You can come. And I went, what? <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. All right. Holy spirit. I said, I see you. You show it out. Okay. All right. You've got a plan. Um, and so I took these and guess what? I still have not worn not one thing this video. <laughs> not one, not one thing. So I take these clothes up to the cleaners and there's this beautiful black woman who walks in the door because I get there a few minutes before her. She walks in the door and um, we just have the most amazing conversation. And you know, it is nothing but God because I just got back um, from Kentucky visiting Noah's Ark. Right. The reproduction of Noah's Ark is in Kentucky. And if you guys haven't seen that, like that is a must do on your list. And I'm sharing this. And she she starts to share with me that um, this is going to be her last uh, couple of weeks at the, the cleaners and and uh, that she was going to step out on faith and do what God had called her to do. And I couldn't think of anything. The Holy Spirit had me share in that moment. And I couldn't think of anything else but that ark. And I was telling her, it's bigger than you imagine. When you step out with God, it's bigger than you imagine. And that's the thing, right? We have to be obedient and we have to step out. It doesn't matter how it looks. It doesn't matter how it appears. It doesn't matter what our finances says. It does not matter what your friends say. You have intimacy and a relationship with the Holy Spirit. He is not a liar. He is someone you take at his word. And so when you step out with him, it is bigger than it ever than you could ever imagine. And that's how the ark was. And so that's what was in my mind to share with her. Oh my God, it's bigger than you imagine. And that's what the Holy Spirit was having me tell her in that very moment. So I want to share that with you. So I'm so excited that Miss Vinnie Brooks is here with us today. Just this beautiful, beautiful woman. And guess what, y'all? She loves purple. <laughs> she loves the color purple. Welcome, Miss Vinnie. <laughs> Unmute. There I am. Oh, thank you, Miss Paula. So good to have you. I'm so happy to be here. And I, I was listening to you share that story, and it just really brought back that moment. It was such a divine connection. Oh my goodness! And the fact that you spent an entire hour sharing that story with me, and no one interrupted us. Remember that. It was like angels were posted at the door. Do not enter. <laughs> Ministry in progress. <laughs> and it was, I knew when you were telling me that you wanted to follow what God had for you, I knew that that's what I was supposed to share. And it was so funny because I think I even told you this. I was like, I don't have any plans to wear these clothes. I, st I still have not worn them. That was over a year ago. I still not worn any of that, right? Um, but that's how God is. Like when, and that's why obedience, the Bible says obedience is better than sacrifice because when he tells you to move, you don't know who's waiting right. to get that word. And if we delay, then they miss. That person is missing the seed, right? right? That we were meant to sow in them. 
because not only do they get the benefit of the seed, they also get the life in the seed, right? There's life in the seed. There's an embryo in the seed waiting to come forth and it's up to us to sow that thing. So it was just such a beautiful exchange. And, you know, that arc going to the arc, there's been so many um, times that I've shared about that because literally if you could, when we came over the horizon, right? We're on this drive. We're so excited. And we come over this horizon and we see the ark. The only way to explain it to you is it is bigger than you could have ever imagined. Wow. Noah and his sons could have built that by hand, no machinery, right? They grew the trees. As a matter of fact, Noah had to have the babies first, right? His sons had to grow up when God, that's, and that's what's so powerful. And that's what you and I talking about is like when God gives you that thing, we want this immediate gratification. Right. And, and, and Noah had to have the sons to grow up to help him harvest the trees. How long right. did with that dream <laughs> and that word, right? That's so awesome. And that's so true. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. How have you been? How have you been? I've been great. You know, God is so good. You know, um, so many people um, have, are talking about, you know, the struggles of being in the pandemic and everything like that. But, you know, this has been a good time for me. <laughs> you know, I've been able, you know, to shut down and shut in and get quiet and with the Lord, you know, and study and be creative, you know, and uh, I have ideas bouncing off the walls. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm doing really, really, really good. I'm really excited. This is a good season. You know, God is blessing. You know, he's pouring into us like never before and, and redefining, rebu- rebuilding our character and, you know, and restructuring and, and moving us into our purpose. So I'm just really, really excited about what I'm hearing in the spirit and what God is, you know, doing. Yeah. It's a good time. Yeah. And I saw in COVID season how you turned it into a business. Absolutely. You know, um, I am a heart transplant recipient. And so um, after, (laughs) huh? I said, we're going to talk about that in a minute. (laughs) Okay. But, um, you know, I I know a lot of nurses. And so I started giving away the masks at first. And then people found out that I was making them. And so I just started selling them. And, you know, that was my, that has been my source of income through the pandemic. So it's been really, really good. Wow. Wow. Look at that connection because of all the time and you spend. So let's talk about that because that was one of the things when we were standing in the cleaners that day and you had shared with me that you were a heart transplant recipient. I remember like just gasping. (laughs) Yeah, I seem to have that reaction with people. Yes, they took out my heart and they gave me another man's heart. Yes, they did that. I've never even met someone that said they knew someone that had a heart transplant. And there you were in front of me. And I just kept thinking how powerful God is. Yes. We are having that conversation about it being bigger than you. And, and that I was obedient. I was like so glad that I got off my butt and <laughs> drove to that cleaners in that moment because even that was ministering to me 
about how faithful God is that he allowed you to survive something like a heart transplant. So share with us what that journey was like and how all of that came about to even, um, you know, to be in the position that you need a heart transplant and then to have the blessing of being a recipient of someone else's heart. Well, to talk about that, I need to go back to the beginning if that's okay. Yeah. Um, I'm a child of divorce. Um, my parents had a very violent marriage. My father was very abusive. Um, they fought all the time. And they seemed to fight about me all the time. There was always this tug of war with me between my paternal side of my family and my um, maternal side of my family. Um, my grandmother was a fortune teller and she practiced witchcraft. Mm. Um, I used to, I grew up watching her talk to dead people all the time. And um, I thought it was the most bizarre thing, you know, and she had seances and she cast spells on people and she put curses on people and she read poems and she did all of these things, right? And um, my father didn't like that, you know, and so my parents always argued about me spending time with my grandmother, you know, because his side of the family, they were Church of God in Christ holiness, you know, and they were holy rollers, we called them holy rollers. <laughs> my mother always called them, them holy rollers. And, you know, they loved the Lord, you know, and, and they wanted me to be saved and learn about Jesus. And, you know, so there was always this tug of war going on with me, right? And um, I just remember, I didn't, I didn't like that. You know, I was, I was spiritually aware at a young age, but I didn't like all the, the psychic stuff, you know, it was just, it just rubbed me the wrong way. I didn't want to wear a rabbit's foot around my neck. I didn't want to read my horoscope every day, you know, Ooh. and I was always, you know, just very much aware that it just wasn't quite right, you know, and I remember one time, you know, my grandmother, we were not allowed to read the Bible in my grandmother's house. We weren't allowed to touch the Bible. It was like a, a sacred object that just sat on the counter and it was open to the 23rd Psalms and it had a red circle around it. And it was supposed to ward off evil spirits, you know, but you didn't touch it. You didn't read it. It was just there in every room. There was a Bible open to the 23rd Psalms, right? Really? But I would, yes. <laughs> But I would go to um, my uh, father's mother, my paternal grandmother, and, you know, they read the Bible, they carried them around, and I was just like, oh, my God, they're touching the Bible. You know, they're reading the Bible, you know what I mean? And it would just, like, freak me out, you know, and I just didn't understand, you know, what was going on. So when I was 14 years old, I went to go live with my father. He had, um, before, you know, when he was with my mother, he was a terrible alcoholic, but, you know, he had gotten saved and delivered from alcohol, but he was still very abusive. Um, so when I was 14 years old, I went to stay with him and I literally got saved at gunpoint. It was like, <laughs> he was like, you're going to get saved because, you know, you've been hanging out with them witches and... <laughs> And uh, you need Jesus. You got to get the Holy Ghost. And I'm like, for what? What is that? You know, <laughs> I didn't know what the Holy Ghost was. I had no clue. 
So I went on this spiritual journey when I stayed with my father and, you know, and I had to go to Sunday school and Bible study and church on Sunday. None of the things that I did with my, at my grandmother's house. But I remember um, I had to memorize John 3.16, for God so loves the world. Yeah. And he gave his only begotten son. And I'm telling you, that scripture stuck with me, you know? You know, I had to memorize it and I was quoting it over and over and over and over, you know, and that's when I became aware that God is real, you know, and that Jesus is real and he really died for me, you know, and I wanted to know more about Jesus, but, you know, my father's house, they had such rules, you know, you couldn't wear pants, couldn't wear makeup. I'm 14 years old. I I, want to wear lip gloss. I want to pop my fingers. You couldn't do that. You couldn't talk on the phone. 14-year-olds talk on the phone, you know? <laughs> I, I couldn't go to the movies. I, you know, I, you can only go to church. You can only do church functions, church events. That's it. And so um, I got beat a lot, you know? My father, you know, he used to beat me for every little transgression um, to make an example to my my step my stepsisters. And, you know, he had remarried and I had the uh, five stepsisters. And so... He made an example out of me of what not to do, right? And so I remember one time he slapped me so hard because I did something, I can't remember what I did, but he slapped me so hard, I passed out. Mm. And um, that was it, right? And I remember right after that, my mother had called and I think it was around Thanksgiving or something like that. And she wanted me to come home for Thanksgiving. And at first he said, no, 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 she can't go home because I still had that bruise on my face from when he had slapped me. And he didn't want her to see that. And, but she insisted. And um, so I ended up going home, back home with her for Thanksgiving. And um, I never told her, you know, what had happened because, you know, I had aunts and uncles that like to shoot people. I was like, no, they really would kill this man if they knew that he had did that to me, right? So I never told, but, you know, John 3.16 was still in my heart, you know, throughout that whole time. And so, you know, I ran from God for a long, long time. You know, I didn't want nothing to do with church folks. I didn't want nothing to do with religion, period. You know, I just wanted to, like, do my own thing and be creative. And I started sewing at when I was nine years old. So I did fashion shows and I made prom dresses and wedding dresses and I did all these things throughout the years, but I didn't have a personal relationship with God because I didn't know what that looked like. I thought, you know, I just totally messed up. You know, I became a single mother with uh, two kids. I wasn't married. God forbid, you know, I'm just ranked center, you know, I'm smoking and drinking and cussing and doing all this stuff, you know, and I was like, it's just too late for me, you know, God, you know, he's angry with me is what I really thought. And so my youngest son, my wonderful son, Tony, um, he was five years old at the time, and he started going to church with my neighbor. Um. She was loud, she prayed loud, she probably played gospel music loud, but I let my son go to church with her. I made him this cute little shirt and I sent him away to Sunday school and he would always come home from church and he would just lay hands on my head. 
Wow. And he would whisper a little prayer. He'd walk away. And he'd go, to, go back to Sunday school and come home. And he'd lay hands on my head and whisper a little prayer. And this one little Sunday, he came home and he, um, he was crying. He had tears pouring down his face. And I said, what's the matter? And he said, mama, I don't want you to go to hell. I don't want, I want you to go to heaven with the other mommies. And I need somebody to pick me up after children's church. All the other kids, mommies pick them up, but I'm just sitting there with no mommy. Girl, <laughs> that ripped my heart apart, right? I was like, wow, oh my goodness, you know? And so I went back to, I went to a church with him and I heard the man of God say that God loves you and he desires to have a relationship with you. And I never heard anybody say that to me. I didn't even know that, you know? I didn't know he loved me. I thought he was some invisible monster that was going to strike me dead if I stepped on a crack or, you know, split a pole or, oh my. or, or you know, or held a black cat. You know what I'm saying? You know, I just thought it was over for me. I knew I was going to go to hell. And I just thought there was no hope for me. But he said that God loves me, Paula. Yeah. And it changed my life, you know, and mm-hmm. I gave my heart to the Lord and I've been running with him ever since. And he literally saved me just in time because um, I remember when I received the Holy Spirit, the first thing I heard him say to me was, I want you to write. And I'm thinking, write? I sew, I make clothes. I, you know, I don't, you know, I don't write. What do you mean write? You know? <laughs> and so he said, I want you to write. And I said, well, write about what, you know? He said, what's the first thing you remember? And the first thing I remember was my father beating my mother and she was holding me in her arms, right? Yeah. And so that's what I started to write. And so as soon as I started writing my story and about my family and everything like that, I got deathly ill. I got, I literally got attacked with everything you can imagine in my body. And I had never been sick before. You know, I had a little cold or sniffles or something like that. I had the flu once. But I had never been sick before. And it seems like as soon as I started writing that book, all hell broke loose, right? And in 1999, I was diagnosed with cardiomyopathy. And um, they said that my heart was too big. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm a big girl. I got a big heart, no big deal, right? And so I just went on with my life. You know, I didn't have time to be sick. You know, I have two kids I got to raise. I got to you know, I got to do my hustle. I got to do, you know what I'm saying? You know, um, I really didn't worry about it. But in 2004, um, the disease had progressed. And I was diagnosed with congestive heart failure. And that's when everything changed. You know, I started having trouble breathing. I could hardly walk up a flight of steps. Um, I couldn't drink too much water. I would go into heart failure. Everything I ate made me sick. You know, I was having, they was trying all these different medications on me because you really can't treat congestive heart failure. They, you know, they just say they can make you, try to make you comfortable, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and so they were practicing medicine on me, right? Because <laughs> that's what they do. You know, physicians, they practice medicine. Right, that's um, right. But, yeah. But, <clears throat> but uh, thank God that I knew at that point in my life I realized that Jehovah Rapha was my healer. Yeah. 
Amen. And so I just, you know, I just continued to pray my way through it because I knew him now. Right. And so um, no matter what the doctor said, you know, they gave me all these negative reports, you know, you're going to die. And I literally had doctors tell me that, you know, there's nothing we can do for you. One of these days, this doctor came in the emergency room and he said, your heart's just going to stop. So make sure you have your affairs in order, you know. And, um, I, you know, I must admit it, it hurt when I heard it, mm-hmm. you know, but God had given me this peace and this strength. I didn't even know where it came from. You know, it was just like amazing. You know, I would say, no, 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 no. Um, I'm not going to die. You know, <laughs> I just refused to re- believe those negative reports. But the disease got worse and it got worse. And so um, I got weaker and weaker and weaker. I think I was in and out of the hospital like 40 times. And my poor baby, my son, Tony, he had to call the ambulance at least 15 times. Mm. over and over and over and over I was in and out of the hospital I knew the paramedics personally <laughs> they knew where to find my ID and my medical card you know what I'm saying they knew where, where I kept everything um I, I started to give them a key <laughs> so they could get in the house you know I could just push a button and let them in or something because it was all the time in and out of the hospital I think I've been in every hospital in Southern California at some point in that journey, it's seriously. And um, so, yeah, so it, it just, you know, it was a never ending cycle to seen, but, you know, I believe God, you know, I just kept declaring his word. I said, you are Jehovah Rapha, you are the Lord that heals me. And I just kept thanking him for my new heart. I just kept thanking him that he would heal me, you know? And so in 2010, they gave me um, a pacemaker defibrillator device. Mm-hmm. That was crazy because now I'm battery operated, right? <laughs> oh, and we talked about that because my sister has a defibrillator. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I remember you told me that. Yeah. I understand. So that. that was crazy. Yeah. And they and they tell you that if it ever goes off, it's gonna feel like a horse kicked you in your chest, right? Yeah. And so I was I was tormented by fear after they put that pacemaker device in my chest because it's like you're waiting any minute now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. This horse is going to kick me in my chest. There you go. You know, and so I couldn't sleep anyway because of the congestive heart failure. So, uh, you know, I was literally not sleeping at all, you know, and um, it was a really difficult time. And then in 2014, that horse kicked me in my chest. And um, I was sitting at the breakfast table, I remember, with my wonderful son, Tony. This young man has, was a, a blessing from God. I'm telling you, he has been with me through thick and thin, through every valley, you know. Um, I would not have made it through this hard journey without my son, Tony. He's such a tremendous blessing. And he, at this time, he was only like, he was in his early 20s. He was like 21. Mm-hmm. And um, God just gave him strength to, you know, to deal with the situation, you know, and um, he did. And so we were sitting at the table one morning and all of a sudden I felt this huge wave of dizziness just hit me in the head. Right. And the next thing I knew, I slammed my face on the table and I slammed my face on the floor. And when I woke up, I was lying in a puddle of blood and my face was throbbing, 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 throbbing. And uh, I, I knew 
my tooth was broken. I just knew it because I felt, you know, this throbbing pain in my face. And I could hear the paramedics ask me, who's the president? What's your name? You know, and I'm Obama. <laughs> Obama's the president. What happened to me? You know, I was freaking out. What happened to me? And thank God I didn't feel the, you know, the pain from the defibrillator. You know what I mean? He shielded me from that, but I felt the pain when I woke up. And they rushed me to the hospital, you know, and ran all these tests and everything and um, sent me back home. Well, that happened to me three times. I passed out three different times. And one time, um, I had just gotten off the 405 freeway. I was driving my car. Oh my. And my son, Tony, was in the passenger seat. Usually he drove, but this particular day, as a matter of fact, I had just bought him his own car, right? And he was in the car with me, which was really weird. It was like, you know, it was like the Holy Spirit just orchestrated that whole day. Because, you know, you get a, a teenager a car, they want to drive their car, right? But he wanted to ride with me that day. He didn't want to drive his car, which was really weird. But thank God he was with me, right? And um, I had just got off the 405 freeway and I could kind of tell when things were going wrong. You know, I started feeling really, really bad, right? And I just knew, uh-oh, something's getting ready to happen. I literally had just pulled into the driveway, stepped out of the car. And the next thing I knew, bam, hit the ground. And um, thank God he was with me because if I was by myself, I could have been laying there for hours and no one would have known, right? So he saw me when I fell and he, you know, he immediately called 911 that day and they rushed me to the hospital. And that was the day when I went to the emergency room, they told me that I could not leave the hospital ever again because my heart was too weak. Wow. And I was like, what? <laughs> I can't leave ever? And they said, no, you have to stay here from now on until you transition, until you die. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> that is crazy. Oh, my God. For someone to say that to you like that, right? Oh, my God. Yeah, they, they literally said that to me. And um, it freaked me out. And so... They wheeled me up to uh, ICU and they put this nurse in my room at her little desk, you know, right in front of me. And they were like, you stay right here and don't move. <laughs> stay right here and don't move. I grabbed that IV pole <laughs> and I, <laughs> when they, when I thought she wasn't looking, you know, she must've, she must've went to check on another patient or something. Cause as soon as she was gone, I grabbed the IV pole and I drug it into the bathroom. I wasn't moving fast now because I couldn't hardly breathe. I'm on oxygen. I got all these lines hooked up to me, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm untangling stuff and I'm dragging it to that bathroom because that was my prayer closet. Mm -hmm. Wow. Right. And I rolled up in that prayer closet and me and God, we went in wow. and I reminded him of every precious promise that he made to me. Yes. And Okay, and I had a visit with Dr. J. Rafa that day. Okay, and yes, yes, and he just, you know, and I just prayed and I prayed and I cried out to the Lord. And the nurse was like, Miss Brooks, are you okay? And I'm like, I am fine, <laughs> I need to handle some serious business right now. Okay, and so that's what I did. And when I tell you, the Holy Spirit just gave me so much peace, you know, 
And he just let me know, you're going you gonna to be all right. You know, you, I'm going to see you through this. You know, he just dropped that in my spirit. And from that moment on, I knew that I would live and I would not die. Mm, and that was my confession. You know, no matter what they said to me, no matter what I felt like. And I had three near fatal episodes throughout the course of me being in a hospital. And um, I waited in ICU after I got on the transplant list, the heart transplant list. I waited in ICU for six months and 23 days hmm. in ICU hmm. um, under 24 hour supervision, right? And, um, and the whole time I'm in the hospital, you know, I'm praising God, you know, and I'm making jewelry. I, mean, I was making bracelets and selling them to the nurses and the doctors because I needed money. So I had to keep my hustle going, right? So, because so, I still had bills to pay. And, yeah. you know, I still had to make sure my son paid the rent every month, you know, because, you know, life goes on, even though you're in ICU. Yeah. And, right? And so, um, and so that's what I did. And when I tell you God supplied every need, there was nothing missing, nothing lacking, nothing broken. I didn't lose anything. You know, he, he always had food, you know, to eat. He always had everything that he needed, you know, that is so, throughout that whole time. That is so powerful. Isn't God amazing? Just like you said, you know, I love that you said in that moment, right, when they're giving you this, what you thought about was your intimacy and your relationship with God and that you went there. That's where you went. They were trying to take you down a whole nother path. You can't leave here. To, and you were like, no, I need to go over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. From And I need to have this conversation with my father, right? And that's such a powerful thing because so many times when we're in the midst of something, um, difficult, we forget. He wants us to call on him. I say this a lot. God loves to flex. Yes, if he does. Situation that he can flex in, then what, what do you need him for, right? Right. Not if he can't flex for you. If you could do it, then you wouldn't need God. So I always say, give God the opportunity to flex. The bigger, the better, right? Absolutely. Solve, let him solve it. That's what he's telling you he's there for. Let him flex for you because that's what he wants to do. Yes, he definitely fights our battles. If we if we just trust and obey him, you know, he is faithful to do everything that he promised. And he showed me that day after day. You know, he sent people to me. I did more ministry in the hospital than I did before I went to the hospital. You know, I was, I was praying for the nurses. I was praying for the x-ray technicians. I, <laughs> I was praying for everybody, you know, I would, I would get up, you know, and I would walk the halls and I would go visit the other uh, heart patients that were waiting for a heart and I would pray with them, you know, um, some days were good. Some days were bad. Some days were terrifying, you know, living in ICU, um, I heard code blue every single day, Woo. every single day. As a matter of fact, the patient in the room right next to me, uh, coded, he died, you know, and I heard everything. I heard the family crying out and weeping, you know, I heard the doctors, you know, I heard them when they took him out of the room and 
I heard them when they cleaned up the room, put somebody else in there, like in 24 hours, you know, it's like, you know, this wow. cycle, you know, I heard so much, you know, but I met so many amazing people, you know, the nurses were praying for me. They prayed for me every week. I had doctors praying for me because I was there for a very long time, you know, not everybody who um, gets a heart transplant stays for six months. You know, some people, I had a friend, she got her heart in six weeks. I was so mad at her. <laughs> she got six weeks, she got a heart transplant. Hmm? Why did you have to stay so long? Um, number uh, One of the reasons I had to stay was because my lungs were compromised. Because I had cardiomyopathy and my heart had gotten so big that it had pressed against my lungs. Mm. And, um, and I almost didn't make the heart transplant this because of that, because of my breathing problems. But God fixed that too, because one minute they took the test and they said, no, she's not eligible. And then I, I, I prayed about it and I asked the doctors, please, please, please just take the test one more time. I'll never forget this. They said, okay, Ms. Brooks, we'll take the test one more time. Don't you know I passed that test? Woo, look at God, look at God. <laughs> Yeah. And I saw him do things like that over and over and over again, where they were saying no, but he would turn the situation around, you know? And so I was able to get on the list. And on January the 12th, 2015, I received my new heart. You know what that reminds me of when you say that, um, how every time they would say no, he would turn it around. It reminds me of when, um, uh, Moses is on the mountain talking to God and God says, I want you to go deal, deal with Pharaoh. But he says, I'm going to tell you what to say to Pharaoh, right? You're right. my mouth to Pharaoh. And every time Pharaoh tells you no, Pharaoh tells you no, I'm going to do this, right? And it's like, he wants that. Like, I, I want him to tell you no, so then I can turn that thing around. And he says, right? Um, he says, eventually, he says, they will know that I am God. When I'm done with this thing, they're gonna know that I am God. It's the moment, yes. right? It's the moment, because he could have, you know, I always wondered why we went, you know, the, the, the Israelites went through all the plagues, right? Why did they, because he's God, right? Why did they right. go through all those, plague, those plagues? Every one of those was an opportunity for him to flex, right? Because they were greater and greater and greater. And the people were getting more and more afraid, more afraid, more afraid, right? And they, the, the miracles were getting greater and bigger. The plagues were getting bigger, like unheard of, you know, frogs raining from the sky. And he's like, when I'm done, he said, my God, I'm, they're going to know that I am God, right? And I am going to be the one that they worship. Amen. Kind of reminds you of today, doesn't it? Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> That's a whole nother conversation. Uh -huh. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Wow. How powerful is that? And so how many years has it been, Miss Vinny? It'll be six years um, in January. And um, so, and, and everything is just totally different now. You know, before I could barely walk up the stairs. Now, you know, I can walk. I walked four miles the other day and I was like literally in tears um, when I got back home because I did it, you know what I mean? Not because I was tired, but I was actually able to do it, you know, to walk four miles when I couldn't even walk up a flight of steps six years ago. It was just, 
you know, amazing. And after um, my heart transplant, I knew that I wanted to give back. Mm -hmm. I wanted to do something to help others, you know, mm -hmm. um, who had gone through my situation. Um, and so I became a One Legacy ambassador. And what One Legacy does is we um, raise awareness of the importance of organ, eye, and tissue donation. And through One Legacy, I have been able to um, share my heart transplant story with thousands of people um, in hospitals. I go to hospitals, I go to high schools, uh, where special events, um, and do one-on-one -on -one consultation with patients. I go back, I had my transplant at Keck USC in Los Angeles. And um, the nurses often call me, you know, we're having a patient here who's having a hard time. Can you come talk to her? This was pre-COVID, of course, right? Um, I would go to the hospital and, you know, I would just share my story with the patients that were waiting, you know, um, because I have great compassion for, you know, heart patients and people that, because they still have lives, you know, outside ICU, you know, and I remember that the hardest part of the whole, my whole transplant journey was waiting, you know, um, they took excellent care of me at Tech, you know, but the waiting part, not knowing when mm -hmm. um, I was going to receive a heart, you know, was the hardest part, you know, and every morning I will wake up and I'll say, Lord, let this be today, you know, but I had, you know, I felt really guilty about that because I was literally waiting for someone else to die so that I could live. That's, you know, that's what I thought about it, you know, and I had a really hard time with that. Um, but, you know, God gave me peace about that, you know, is, you know, the, the people that, you know, um, register to be organ donors, you know, they do it willingly, you know? Mm -hmm. And so my donor, um, I had the, his permission to receive his heart is what I'm saying. You know what I mean? It's not like, Wait, you know, okay. it was hold on one second. Like when you said that, that that's just, um, you said I had his permission to receive his heart. Ooh, I just brought chills. Ooh, ooh, Miss Fee. <laughs> Girl, you yeah. start crying. Ooh. Wow, that's so powerful. Yeah. And so through the miracle, you know, of organ transplantation and by the grace of God, you know, I'm alive today, you know, and, you know, whenever I share my story with people, I always tell them about the God that saved my life, you know, and it's, it's been a great opportunity for ministry. I love it, you know, um, just encouraging people, you know, and praying for them. And so many people have gotten saved and delivered through this ministry that God, you know, gave me, you know, after post-transplant, you know, and um, yeah, it's been a, a real blessing, you know. Wow. That's so powerful. You know, here was this man that, look how God works that he didn't know, he might not have known when his end was coming, but his end was making a way. For you, you know, God says he always goes before us. I'll go before you and make the crooked path straight. So what he's telling us is I'll go down this path and it's rugged, 
but all along the way, I'm going to make provisions for you. Yeah. I'm going to make a way for you to get through this thing and don't be distracted by what you see or what you hear or what the environment looks like. I, I've made a way. I took it upon myself to go before you. You know, the, when the Israelites were in the desert, the scripture says that the cloud and that, that guided them during the day that kept the sun off of them, right? And right. the fire that guided them by night in the cold desert that kept them warm always went before them. Yes. And here was God, before you ever got to the hospital, he had made the crooked path straight. Before you ever got to the hospital, this man had given permission. God had put it yes. on his heart. Yes. To yes. And for the heart that God had given him. Woo. Yes. Yes. And it had to be a man's heart because of my height and my weight. Um, and because my lung pressures were so low, they needed a strong heart <laughs> wow. to, uh, to sustain my body, you know? And um, yeah. Wow, Miss Benny, what a powerful testimony. And yes, you should be telling that every day, <laughs> every way, because that on so many levels, just what you endured as a young girl to get you to this point, the challenges that you've you've had, even just like you said, the waiting time, right? That's what it that's what it's like. I started a garden during this COVID season. I've never gardened before. Um, that's a whole nother story. I had this conversation with the Holy Spirit and I told God I wanted a garden experience with him. I said, I want to know what it was like to co-create with you in the garden before the fall. Like, I want that. I want, I want you to come talk to me in the garden. I want to have that experience with you. But, you know, this gardening has taught me so much. And part of it's the waiting waiting for, you know, trying to prop propagate, waiting for the seed to grow, um, then transplanting the seed over to the bigger pot, like going through every step and then ultimately getting to the fruit. And then mm -hmm. in the journey, I, um, I remember I was eating, um, tomatoes were the first thing that I grew. And I was so excited to cut open my first tomato and what the Holy Spirit, the thing he showed me were all the seeds inside the tomato. And he said, nobody ever talks about the harvest of the seeds. They always talk about the harvest of the fruit. He said, but there's more seed to harvest than there is fruit. It sure is. And in every wow. one of the seeds, there are multiple fruits. I was like, ah! Wow. That's good. Isn't that good? Isn't that That's great. Girl, that is so, like, y'all better catch that. Y'all better catch that thing right there. It's That's great my perspective so much right and that's what he's done like he he gave you someone else's heart because there's a ministry for you someone yeah. see there's ministry there are more seeds out there right that you have got to go plant right needs that word somebody needs that testimony somebody needs to know that they can push through whatever it is that they're enduring right now amen and yes you know and i i started writing that book like 20 years ago and i finally got into a place um where i can call it finished 
Mm. where I could tell my story um, in its entirety, you know, um, because God gave me a new heart and I have a new life now. So different than the because you did a chill like when we were at the um cleaners talking that day you had done a children's book right yes i did where's my daddy is he home yet um i wrote that story for my granddaughter uh she was asking questions because my oldest son is incarcerated and um she wanted to know you know when's where's my daddy when he's coming home Mm -hmm. and so i wrote it and i illustrated it um because i'm an artist (laughs) and um and uh it was just a little booklet for her at first, but um, I shared it one with, I was also involved in prison ministry and one of the pastors saw my little booklet and he was like, oh no, this, this thing right here is gonna bless thousands and thousands of children that are asking the same question, right? And so I self-published it and I started a program where I was going to elementary schools and um, I was talking to the students and asking them, you know, did they have loved ones who were incarcerated and how it made them feel and things like that. And um, I started it at um, 43rd Street School in Los Angeles, where 80% of the children had parents who were either incarcerated or on probation. 80%. Wow. That's crazy. And so that program was very successful. And I ended up giving them away mostly. Um, we sold, you know, a couple of hundred copies or so on Amazon. It's still available on Amazon, but I like to give it away to see, you know, because, you know, so many families across the board, you know, all ethnicities, you know, all cultures, you know, all walks of life have been affected by incarceration, you know, mm-hmm. there's no color line anymore. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-mm. Not at all. Not at all. Now, and then, so your second book is your story. Is that what you're telling me? Mm-hmm. And it's called A Woman Named Pick. Pick was my grandmother. And um, it's, it talks about my childhood and my redemptive journey um, and how I found the truth about Jesus Christ. Um, it's not based on superstition. My grandmother was very superstitious. You know, it's not based on a horoscope. We don't need our horoscope if we got the Holy Ghost right. Yes. <laughs> right? Yeah. Earlier, you said earlier, I wrote this down, um, the whole step on the crack and split the pole. Oh, I like read my grandmother. She was the holiest, most superstitious, superstitious person I'd ever married, uh, met. And I was like, well, how could you believe in God? But, you know, if you split the pole with her, oh my God. She it's was, over. It was over. <laughs> you going to go back and you going to go around that pole is what you're going to do, okay? And you're not going to step on the cracks. And you, girl, I bought a black cat home when I was 17. Because <laughs> it was cute. I bought home a black cat. My mama liked that had a fit. Do you hear me? They didn't play with black cats, girl. Mm-mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, um, walking under the ladder. Did you ever? Under the ladder? No, you didn't do that. Yeah. Nope. And you didn't sweep my foot with no broom because I was bad luck. Remember that one? And she would spit on the broom? You spit on the broom, girl. Was <laughs> into like all. Of, I used to. I used to when we would go visit her. I would come back so confused. Like, see, like is that is it God just telling her to don't split the pole? <laughs> <laughs> so you went through what I went through. You understand? Yeah. Very much. Very much. Yes. There's a lot of us that went through that. You know, 
Mm-hmm. And um, God wants to deliver so many people from that religious, superstitious foolishness, you know? Foolishness, yeah. So they could have a true relationship with him because it's not about any of that. No, no. Mm-hmm. You got to let all of that go. Oh my God, Miss Vinny, this has been so amazing. I'm so glad that you shared your journey with us, just a snippet of it, because you have such a rich, um, such rich experiences. We don't, I believe that um, the challenges that we face in our life are in direct correlation with the greatness of the call on our life. Yes. And you have a call truly a call and you have a ministry in you you're um and and the transplant is just it seems like it's the bigger thing but actually what it does is that gets you in the door to minister (laughs) yeah it does it really does because god is you know um god is always making a way you know when the christian when the um jews first started following christ they were called the way you know that that's what they were called before they were Christian. They were Jews, right? They were Christian Jews. They were mm-hmm. Jews. Jesus was Jewish and they were following Christ and mm-hmm. called the way that's the name. We're not Christians. We're the way we're we following the wow. way. And I always think about God mm-hmm. is always looking for a way to partner with us for a way to co-create with us to waiting a way to get that message to us. And it's our responsibility then to give that thing back to him. When he says, you know, he'll provide when Jehovah Rapha is our provider, it's up to us to say, you know, um, my God will supply all of my That's needs. Right. Yes. Glory in Christ Jesus. We give that thing back to him, right? That's right. Facing challenges, you say there is absolutely nothing that is impossible for my God. The Bible says, ask, ask, and you shall receive. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and that door will be opened unto you. I used to go around the house like this. (laughs) (laughs) That's me. Just in case you're confused, that knock was me. He said, knock, right? He said, ask, seek it, look for, expect it. Expect it. And that's the way that that the heart transplant is your way in. Because that's a powerful testimony, love. That is just whew. God be the glory. Yeah. You brought me through it, you know. And yeah, and it has been a blessing, you know. It has been a way for me to be able to share um, that, you know, God still heals today. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, you know, and he does use modern medicine as yeah. well he does he does he us, you know he gives doctors the wisdom how I many you know it had to be the wisdom of god to take out my old heart and put in a new heart you know yeah. what i'm saying yeah um and so you know that's the message that i share you know to just have faith in god and never doubt him yes yes i love the way miles monroe says it <clears throat> did you ever follow him when he was alive miles monroe oh absolutely i still do Yes. He says, um, God created healing for him, not for us. He created healing because he needs us. He said, so we think we ought to be healed for our sake, 
But he said, what you need to be praying is that you're healed for God's sake. Because then oh my God. following his plan, right? So he needs followers. He needs people that are going to be here, that are going to praise him. They're going to share that word. That's going to plant that seed. So he said, when you pray, say, God, heal me for your sake. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Heal me for your sake. I love, I love that message. Let me ask you this last question. Was there ever a time that you found yourself just angry with God? Because there was a lot. There was a lot that you endured. Uh, and I know there were some things that you didn't have time to share, but um, did you ever find yourself angry? No, not while I was going through my um, heart transplant journey, no. Um, earlier in my life, you know, after all the things I went through with my father, I was very angry. But, um, but no, no, I was, I was so in love with him you know I can be I can be angry with him you know I was like I just love the Lord so much you know I was so grateful for each and every moment that he gave me every opportunity every morning that he woke me up I, I was just grateful to be alive you know I wasn't angry with him at all I was full of expect, expectation you know great expectation because I knew he would bring me through after that initial encounter in the bathroom. <laughs> um, yeah, I was so full of faith, you know, and he did that. He gave me that, you know, so no, I was never angry with him. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So um, last question, Miss Vinny, what's behind your faith? What's behind my faith? Strength. Hmm strength I had to learn how to be strong at a very early age right and um, he gave me the strength to endure all of the obstacles that I've gone through um yeah mm. I would say strength right yeah the joy of the Lord is my strength and he has given me great joy <laughs> you know you know they said I had the loudest laugh in the hospital they always knew when I woke up because they could hear me laughing <laughs> so, who laughs when they're in ICU right <laughs> that was the joy of the Lord so yeah that's he definitely is my strength oh that's beautiful Miss Vinny thank you I'm so glad God brought you into my life enjoy oh, to you you and I've had coffee a couple of times so enjoyed our conversation um just a beautiful beautiful person and spirit and thank you for the testimony and sharing with us today. I so, so appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. You are very welcome. And thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it. So tell everyone two things. Tell us where we can find you on social media. You have an Instagram page. I have an Instagram page. It's at I am Miss Vinnie, V-I-N-N-I-E. And I also, I'm still selling masks. Yes. We're this, this one's one of my most popular ones. See this one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they like it because it zips in the front. This is my zipper front mask. So you could take a sip. Gotcha. Yes, yes, love it. <laughs> and so my um I have MissVinny.com where you can purchase my mask. Mm -hmm. And I'm also on Etsy at shopmissvinny.etsy.com. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone, for being with us on another episode of Behind Your Faith Podcast. I'm Paula Ryan Ellis. You can find us on social media, on all the social media platforms at Behind Her Faith. And we are so, so blessed, so full today 
by this word. Um, just, I can't thank Miss Vinny enough for being with us. So um, look forward to seeing you again on another episode. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.